So, you know, a few weeks ago I handed you out this uh, subject of do we need revival or the need for revival. And uh, the questions that were there, first of all, do we need revival? Well, obviously a nation needs revival. People need revival. And uh, the question was, does our church need revival? <laughs> Absolutely. The church needs revival. We need to be revived. And then I asked the question, what is revival and what does revival do? And, you know, there's a big difference between what revival is and what revival does. <laughs> what revival is and what revival does is two different things. And so I want to kind of bring a message on this. So, you know, we finished these meetings with Brother Dwight and his family. And they're on their way home. And, and this is not the end, but it's the beginning. It's not the end of something. It's the start of something. And so what we have to do is maintain that momentum. And you say, well, how do you do that? I'm not talking about just internal fortitude. I'm talking about getting on our knees, continuing to pray, continuing to seek God, continuing to witness, continuing to ask God to do something. Because why would we stop just because the meeting ended? Doesn't mean that revival stops. That was just simply a meeting. And so what we're coming together for is that we might come together, that we might win the lost. The list that we have, we've got to continue to pray over those names and many other names that we can add to it. And you say, well, what are you going to do? Well, we need to pray and we need to fast. And by the way, your pastor believes in fasting. It's not just an Old Testament idea. It is a New Testament uh, responsibility that I think we even have to fast at times. And fasting is not about how long you do it, but it is the attitude of the heart while you're doing it. I did a whole message on fasting, and uh, Brother Elmer Towns wrote a book on fasting. If you go to Isaiah, and you can see that they, how they were fasting, and God said, that's not why you're doing this. You're doing it for all the wrong reasons. We need to do it for the right reasons. And by the way, we all fast, and I've brought this up to you many times. We call it breakfast, but it's break fast. You fast all night long and don't even realize you do it. But the reality is, is that we're going to do it with purpose, so what is the purpose of fasting? What is the purpose of doing this? And so God desires for us to do these things. And so we're praying and we're fasting. For what? For family. How many of you in here right now have at least one family member that you would love to see get saved? How many of you got at least one family member that you would love to see them get saved? Amen. We need to pray for them. Pray and fast that God... Now, are they in this area? If they're in the area, write the name and address down. Give it to Pastor Warnick. I'll be happy to go talk to them. And the reality is, is that if we do nothing about it, how can we expect God to do something about it when we desire to do nothing about it? Our desire should be that we need revival and we're going to go do this. How many of you have a friend right now, tonight? You have a friend in your mind, as soon as I said it, did you say, you know, Pastor, I'd really like to see them get saved. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have somebody that you really care about as a friend? And you say, man, Pastor, I'd really like to see them get saved. Oh, then what do we do about it? Well, we can just say, well, I'd really like for that to happen. But we can pray and we can fast and then we can take action. We can do something about it. That is part of revival. Maybe you have not just that, but maybe you have a coworker. Maybe you've got somebody that you work with and you say, you know what? They're such a nice person, but man, they need to get saved. Anybody have a coworker that really needs to get saved? And you know that they're a nice person and it's good that they're a good person and a nice person. But listen, without Jesus Christ, they're destined for hell. I got asked one time, do I believe that Princess Diana is in heaven? I said, if she relieved uh, Jesus Christ and trusted him as her savior, certainly she's in heaven. Well, surely you can't think that, uh, uh, what's the lady from Calcutta? Her name's not coming to my mind right now. Mother Teresa. You believe Mother Teresa is in heaven? I said, if she trusted Jesus Christ as her personal savior, she's in heaven. They, she, they said to me, do you know how much stuff she did? I said, 
If she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior, she's in heaven. Amen? Your coworker can be a really nice person. They can even be a very moral person. But without Jesus Christ, they've got not heaven. And so do I have a heart for that? Maybe you've got a neighbor. How many have a neighbor that you'd say, you know, whew, man, preacher, if you, I mean, they are just such good people, but man, they are so mixed up with, you know, religion. They don't get it. But, Pastor, I care enough about them, and I'd really like to see them get saved. So what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Well, I'm going to start really praying for them and fasting and asking God to, to help us win them to Christ or that God would send someone their way. Hey, listen, I've had people in this church. In fact, Chris, your mom sent me stuff and said, Pastor, do you know somebody in this area? I have this person that I'm praying to get saved, and I'd like somebody to go to them. Don't tell them I sent them, but tell them that I, I want someone to go and witness to them. And I know pastors all over the country that in a drop of a hat will pick up the phone. I can call them in a moment's notice and say, listen, they live on such and such a street, and you can go and you can talk to them, and I want you to go and try to win them to the Lord. I know they'll do that. And the thing of it is, is what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We need revival, folks. When I look to the scriptures, maybe not just a neighbor, but maybe you say just an acquaintance. I have not quit praying for people that I met when I first got here that they would get saved. I just went up and saw Karen again the other day. Eversol is her last name. And I went up to see Karen the other day, and, and I said, Karen, you need to get saved. Just flat out told her this time. Three years I've been praying for her to get saved. And she says, it scares me. I said, there's nothing to be afraid of. What you ought to fear is what can happen if you don't get saved. Listen, we ought to love people enough to share the gospel with them. Amen? How many of you heard the IOU message? What did he say? I owe you the what? I owe you the gospel. And we owe them that gospel. We owe that to this community. We owe that to this place. Listen, God planted this church not just here for us, but for his name's sake that's here. And we need to do something about it. People you meet every day. Have you ever just come across somebody and thought, I need to witness to them? Brother Dwight and I, were, we were heading down to the ark the other day. Me, him, and Noah were meeting up. No, just kidding. So we're going down to the ark, and, and so uh, we filled up the tank with gas, and this truck pulled up. And Nathaniel and, and Dwight were out handing out tracks already, and, and I was filling the tank, and I saw this guy pull up. Dwight walked around him and went into the store. So I, <clears throat> I decided I'm going to witness to this guy. And so I filled up the truck, and I grabbed a track. And when I grabbed the track, then all of a sudden I decided I'm going to take that track. I'm going to go over and talk to this guy. Now, I saw him inside the store. When I went inside the store, there were two little kids went in there. And little Timothy went over and handed them little kids a track. <laughs> That's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Little boy had a mustache on, and he had this little mustache on. And I said, man, I said, when are you getting married? And this big old burly dude standing there, he's got cut off sleeves and he's got like uh, his mustache, he's got it in rubber bands and, and he's got like a, a braid in the back of his hair and got rubber bands all in the back of his head. I mean, just a big dude, man. I mean, he was big. And he was standing there and I said that to that little guy and he kind of snickered and I slapped him on the shoulder and I went to the restroom, come back out. And just as I came out, I went back over to the van, I grabbed another track and he started heading for his truck. I went over to his truck 
His window was up. I knocked on the window. I said, hey, Lord laid me on your heart. He goes, I said, he wanted me to give this to you. I said, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something. He goes, wait, wait, wait a minute. When did the Lord lay, you on, uh, lay me on your heart? I said, let me tell you when. I said, I saw you when you walked into the store. And I said, and you laughed when I talked to that little kid. He's freaking out now. He's sitting in that truck, and I handed that man a track. Do I know him? Nope. May I ever see him again? Probably not. But we owe the gospel to people, don't we? I started to share with him, and he goes, my daddy was a preacher, and I hate preachers. I said, me too. I said, them preachers sometimes are just rough people to be around, aren't they? And I said, but I'll tell you what. He goes, I don't trust preachers. I said, neither do I. I said, let me tell you who I trust. I trust Jesus Christ. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I traffic drugs. I said, then you need to get saved. See, we'd run from that, wouldn't we? God gave me that at that moment in time. He gave me the strength to say to that man he needed to get saved. Now, do you believe that man needed to get saved? Amen. If he's trafficking drugs, he needs to go to jail, but he needs to get saved, amen? And maybe God will send him to jail now, and he'll have that track in his hand and remember the day that I tried to witness to him. But the fact is, is God was trying to get a hold of that man's heart, wasn't he? Why would God lay that man on my heart? Why would God give me that big burly dude who's trafficking drugs, if he is? Why would he do that? Because people need to get saved. It doesn't matter what their walk of life is. They need to get saved. Amen? And God has given you and me and this church the responsibility to accomplish that goal. And listen, we need revival. It starts in you folks. I can't throw any wiffle dust out here and make that happen. You've got to choose that you're going to allow God to revive you. You're going to make a choice that I'm going to let God work in my heart. This is, uh, there's this great need. I, I listen, it's not just the church, it's the community around here. How many of you see that? I, I'm seeing Bremen Fest coming, and I'm thinking Drink Fest is coming on. Amen? You know, when that priest goes up there to bless that beer, I'm thinking about walking up there and saying, buddy, what are you doing? You say, well, that wouldn't look good for us. I'm not trying to look good for us. I'm trying to witness for Christ. Amen? We don't need to be drinking. We don't need to be doing that stuff. <laughs> this community has great morals, but my goodness, man, they escape at about 7 o'clock on Bremen Fest. How many of you have been out there and watched what takes place? I know we run from that as independent fundamental Baptists, but the fact is, is that those people out on that street need to get saved. They need Christ Jesus. And the thing is, is we can go out early and we can hand out tracts, we can give them to them early in the day because they don't start drinking until after 3 o'clock. And, and what I want to encourage you to do is just start handing out tracts to folks. Start giving the message to people. Listen, not just the community. Listen, our country needs revival. Amen? Does this country need revival? What? Hey, listen, we used to send missionaries. We got foreign nations getting ready to send missionaries over the United States because we need revival. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with tonight. Are you continuing to see the need for revival? Just because a meeting happened and went doesn't mean it stops. It means it's the beginning of something. Brother Dwight came to try to encourage us and charge us up and excite us about the Word of God that we might go do what needs to be done. And when you think about this, what is revival? It's life again, folks. In Psalm 85, 6, the Bible says, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? We have opportunities right now that are happening in this nation that have not happened in years. You ought to be praying for Brett Kavanaugh to get that position, amen? 
You ought to be praying that he gets in there. Hey, listen, can you imagine a nation where we overturn Roe versus Wade? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be the start of something, wouldn't it? We're in a nation where we're taking the lives of children each and every day. And God giving us a window of opportunity to change that now. Oh, man, how exciting would that be? And that get changed in this country. Do you really concern yourself with the critics or would you want to see what God wants to do? Amen? And when I think about this, wilt thou not revive us again? If we're going to have revival, you've got to understand what revival is and what it does. It's not a guest speaker coming to town. It's not his family singing songs and using the accordion. Hey, listen, all that stuff was wonderful. But revival is what happens to us. Revival is life again, breathing life back into us. He says in Psalm 80, 18, So will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Quicken up, bring us alive again, Lord. Make us alive again. Let us, let us have life in us. And the life that he's talking about is not just any life. He's talking about a spiritual life, coming alive again spiritually. What is revival? Listen, to restore spiritual life and then that life be used for the glory of the Lord. That's quickening us. That's bringing us back alive. Psalm 143 says this, verse 11, Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake and for thy righteousness. Bring me alive again, Lord, not for just my sake, but Lord, let's do it for your name's sake. Let's do it for your righteousness. This is why I'm asking you. Say, uh, uh, and he says, he says, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. <laughs> and he's asking God to do something. He's saying, bring me alive again. This is for the Lord's name's sake. And therefore, what is revival? I believe it's a renewed spirit being alive spiritually again. And listen, uh, we can't think that we're going to win people to Christ and be spiritually dead. And you say, well, I, I'm saved. I understand that. But we can be just saved and not have a heart for anything else. And what I'm challenging us with this is this. Even in the New Testament uh, uh, revival, when I look at Galatians 2.20, I think it's a wonderful revival passage. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless yet I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't live for myself, I live for Christ. He said, well, preacher, I got a job, I got to do this, I got to pay my bills, I got to clean my house, I got to roast the chicken. Listen, pastor, I got all these things I got to do. And I'm telling you, we need to live for Christ. We need to have him on our mind continually. You see, that's revival. That's helping us be alive. You know what it is? I think it's an awareness and a sensitivity to sin like you've never had before. The television's not as important anymore. And the radio and the magazines and the filthy jokes and all the craziness that's going on in the world is not as important to you as your Christ. And the relationship you have with him. And all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world is going to continue to go on. But listen, we need to win people to Christ. We need revival. <laughs> The New Testament description is found best in that passage. And then he says in the Old Testament in 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, stir me up again. 
Create in me. Do something inside of me, Lord. Do something. Revival, I believe, creates that clean heart. And, and listen, reforming from uh, uh, what already exists, he's saying, listen, create in me a clean heart. He's saying, this already exists, Lord. This is already in me, but reform this thing. Make it better than it was before. And he's saying, do something inside of me. When he says, create in me a clean heart, he's saying, reform what already exists. Do something about it, God. Help me. And, and he says, listen, this thing, help it to be flawless. Help it to be free from impurities and, and things that just drag us down from day to day. And there's a lot of sin sickness in the world, is there not? It's all around us. And all we're asking God to do is, God, help my heart to be clean. Create in me that clean heart of God. And, and I'm asking him to do something. Listen, the very thoughts inside of me and every man, woman, and child that's in this auditorium tonight, God, clean out the impurities in my thoughts. Clean me up. Create in me a clean heart. That which already exists, he's reforming it. He's changing it. In the New Testament, he tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. He said, put off the former conversation. The old which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's a change of thinking. And that you put on the new man. <laughs> and that new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. There's a change in what I'm doing. Revival is a renewal of our faith in Christ, knowing what is most important and rejoicing over that which is pure and right. We ought to be excited, not silent over the fact that Brett Kavanaugh might get this position. We ought to be excited, not silent. Somebody asked me, I said, praise God. I hope he gets in. Well, he might turn over this whole abortion thing. Praise the Lord. He might turn that whole thing over. Amen? We don't need to be killing babies. We need to take that constitution that our forefathers put together and start working with it as it is. Amen? We need revival in our nation. Revival will come if God's people, with all sincerity, begin to pray and to fast and seek the Lord. Revival is internal, and I believe that with all my heart. It's internal, but I believe external results start to happen as a result of internal things. <laughs> you can't see Jesus in me, can you? I can tell you I'm saved. <laughs> all I can do is demonstrate my salvation by my actions and my words and my deeds, my good works, that's all I can do. But I want to tell you, I should let others see my good works that they might glorify my God in heaven, amen? And it should do that. And we ought to be excited about it. I think about this. It comes with external results as well as life again, a renewal of heart and my spirit. I'm moved again by the work of God and in my life and in the lives of others. Hey, man, how many of you are excited that Becky got saved? Huh? How many of you are excited that Isaiah got saved? How many of you are excited that Josh showed up to church? How many of you are excited that James Jr. are here tonight? How many of you are excited that Penny's here tonight with the kids? How many of you get excited that Wade and Jamie were coming again? How many of you are getting excited about some of this stuff? We ought to let God really get us excited about some things and watch what God's doing. And what happens is, is we get blinders on and we come in and we're just so set in what we got to do that we forget God's working Oh, what a wonderful God we serve, amen? When I look at the scriptures and I think about how revival is this internal thing, but some external things begin to happen, revival brings forth a spiritual joy. I had to lead singing tonight, Chris, you know, I didn't even care. 
I just came in and I said, man, I'm going to sing tonight. I can't sing a lick, but man, am I going to sing to the Lord tonight. Amen? Miss Epperly, I hope when I get to heaven, my voice changes just a tad. You know what I'm saying? Miss Epperly goes, praise God, me too, honey. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is we can sing with joy in our hearts, can't we? When I look at this, rejoicing over the work of the Lord, souls being saved and baptized, lives and hearts turning back unto the Lord again. Listen, let's continue to see that need and pray to that end. <laughs> pray, witness, share the gospel, give it to folks. Listen, praying and fasting and reading and witnessing. Listen, let's respond to God. <laughs> let's really respond to Him. Let's really start to take action. Let's see what God wants to do with this ministry. When I think about it, God has an objective for revival too. You know what it requires? It requires action. <laughs> so, you know, what revival is and what revival does is important, but there's a goal to revival as well. And it includes some things. So, when I think about the goal of revival, Psalm 80 and verse 19, turn us again, O Lord God. Turn us again. <laughs> You know, when you got saved, look at me for just a minute. Everybody look up here for just a second. When you got saved, do you know the amazing thing is that I was over here in the world and I was doing what the world wanted me to do? And there was a turning from that and under Christ. Turn us again, oh God. T turn. <laughs> Not turn us around so we're going back to the world. He said, turn us again, oh Lord. <laughs> Bring us back to you. You see, that passage says, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine. How many of you watched God work in this auditorium last week? Amen. <laughs> How many of you saw God doing something? And I'm saying to myself, man, I was watching God do all kinds of things. I was watching people come to the altar. I was watching God working on hearts. I was watching God saving souls. I was watching God changing people's minds. I was watching God doing things. Oh, what an observation it is to just stand back and watch God work. And you know what? God worked in my heart too. We have so much opportunity around us around here. We have so many things set before us. And so I want you to think, and he says, Turn us again, O Lord, our God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. <laughs> He'll deliver us from all the things that we think are burdening us and holding us down. And that word there, saved, is deliverance. And listen, whether that's some soul out here being delivered from hell, or that's some saved individual whose sin is just besetting them. And listen, God says, listen, I'll deliver you from those things. Turn again. What revival's goal is, is not a what, but a who. <laughs> who is revival? It's not a what. It's a who. You know what I believe it is? Revival is seeking the Spirit of God. <laughs> we know this verse. I'll start saying it. Be ye not drunk with wine, where is the excess? But be ye what? Do you all know that verse? How many of us are living it? You see, to allow the Spirit to really have me <laughs> and not be so concerned about what someone thinks about me, but me be more concerned about what God's doing in me. <laughs> be more focused on where God's taking me rather than watching what others are doing around me, thinking about what God's accomplishing. I think about how there's that turning of the heart unto the Lord and seeking and 
trying to shine for his glory, that deliverance from our sins for the saved, the deliverance from an eternal hell for the lost, and the goal of revival is not the meetings, but meeting with the Lord. And I really believe that with all of my heart. That's revival. That's us meeting with God. <laughs> By the way, God is present. Are you with me? He's here. Now I know more than half of you tell me you're saved. Where's the Holy Spirit reside? In us. Is God present? Yes. Yes, he is. Now, here's the thing. Am I going to allow God to have his way with me? Hey, we sang the song when we do the invitation. And we're asking him to let him have his way with thee. Are you letting God have his way with you? You know, the goal of revival is for us to see God again. And it says to cause thy face to shine. And that's to let his very existence be brought into our presence. It's brought to light again. We can see it again. We can see God. We can see what he's doing. I remember the day I got saved. I'm going to tell you there weren't stairs, but I felt like I could just jump out in the air. October 12, 1995 was a change in my life, a huge one. And I, I, I tell you this because when I, when I was up there, I believe Preston really got saved. And when his wife walked in the door and he said, baby, things are about to change. You know, I felt that way that day. The day I got saved, things were about to change. And people won't change without Christ, but with Christ, change will occur. Amen. And so we're going to give them the gospel, and we need revival. This occurs because of what revival includes. You know what revival includes? <laughs> it includes God's word. Revival includes God's word. You think back on all the messages that Brother Dwight preached. Did he ever not preach out of the, out of the scriptures? <laughs> it includes God's word. And then the Bible says, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Revival includes the word of God. Revival also includes prayer. This psalm that we're reading right now, I challenge you, go back and read the whole thing. And the call was to revival, and what were they doing? They were praying. They were praying for deliverance. They were praying for God to revive them, to turn them back to himself. Revival includes fasting. In Ezra, it says this. In 8.21, it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For all that we need, they began to fast. In the New Testament, I can show you over and over again, Paul and Peter and all those fellows, they were fasting at times. And I believe this is a New Testament principle that has gone beyond us. We don't do it anymore. We don't even think it's necessary. We think that's Old Testament, and it's not. It's in the New Testament. And it's not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John while they were still under the law. It is in Ephesians. It is in the New Testament. In Romans, you can see where Paul was fasting. You can find it in the Scriptures. There were times where these men were fasting. And what were they fasting for? For spiritual revival in their own lives and in the lives of other people. For God to quicken people. I want to read some verses to you, and I'm done tonight, because not only does a revival include God's word and prayer and fasting, it includes individuals. And I want you to see this firsthand. Let's turn to 1 Samuel real quick, and I'll finish with this tonight. 1 Samuel, chapter 7. 1 Samuel, chapter 7. If you're with me, say amen. 
There's one. That's Dale. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 3. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. How many people were there? There was a lot of people there, wasn't there? He said all the house of Israel. Now watch this. Saying, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all the uh, Israel to Mizpah and, and, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. And said, there we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a, a sucking lamb and offered it uh, for a burnt offering, uh, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came back under Bethgar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shane and called the name of it Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us, the stone of help. Who's our help in time of need? <laughs> Ebenezer, right? Our great God. I just want you to consider tonight, revival includes people. So we need to be in the Word of God. <laughs> we need to be praying. We need to be fasting. And listen, revival includes you. Let's pray.